Welcome to the Collections by Michelle Brown show. A show about people living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality as they create change. This episode is brought to you in partnership with the Center for Peace Counseling and Holistic Healing Services. by Michelle Brown. I'm your host, Michelle Brown. Each week, we'll be talking with people living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality and creating change. Are you ready to recover from winter's cabin fever? To get out of the house and hit the road? Are you trying to decide how to use those accumulated vacation days and dreaming of faraway places, hanging out with old friends, and meeting new friends. Our friend, adventurer, traveler, and founder and CEO of Bag Travel, Mike Henderson, is back with some great ideals for your consideration. From Memorial Day through New Year's Eve, it's one adventure after another not just at some national parks, but trips to Mexico, Europe, and beyond. Whether you're traveling with bag travel or on your own, Henderson offers tips to traveling drama-free, safely, and making the best of your time away. So grab a bag, pack it up, let's get ready to hit the road as we talk with Mike Henderson. Mike, welcome back to Collections by Michelle Brown. How are you? Well, you know, I often try to have guests back. And, you know, depending on if it's something special. But, you know, the weather's getting nice, and I'm seeing more and more people going here and there. And I thought, Mike, it's a perfect time to have you back. Our guest tonight is Mike Henderson of Bad Travel. Um, You've been a traveler since a tender age. You've been here, there, and everywhere. For those who may have missed the other show and they missed learning a lot about you, they can find it on SoundCloud to learn a little bit more of your background. What exactly is Bad Travel? How did it get started? And... What does the bag stand for? Well, thanks a lot for having me, Michelle. Uh, bag Travel is a company that I started, a travel group travel company that I started uh, actually last year. I had a little delay, everybody knows, <laughs> the last couple of years with the um, the situation around the world. So, But I would have started it about three years ago. So it, I created it to more formalize and organize my group trips that I have already been doing on behalf of uh, clients, on behalf of like coworkers, friends, for the past 20 or so years, uh, just places around the world. Or I guess word got around that I could plan trips pretty well and uh, at a very good uh, bargain. 
and also I'm a good listener in terms of what people are looking for in a travel adventure or even places that they never thought they wanted to go. Just hearing me describe them uh, sold a lot of people on places. Uh, so I actually formally formed a company last year before it was, like I said, just kind of informal. So Back Travel is that formal incorporation last year. Um, I know, I, I'm a telecom management professional over the past 25 years. Back Travel is, I wouldn't call it a hobby. It's its a job, but at the same time, it doesn't feel like work to me. It's a passion. Um, I love hearing stories about people who had a great time on trips I've curated. Um, on a lot of the trips that I planned, the group trips I'm on myself as well, I formed actually about three, four pretty soon travel groups specifically for uh, people who are not known for being avid travelers. So those groups came about because I wanted to convince more of the um, black community to travel internationally. So it's actually started with a group called uh, Black Gay International Travel Travelers, Bagot for short, as I called it. Um, so I took that opportunity and built some trips around it, uh, created, you know, like we always do, do our meetups, start a Facebook group, get a bunch of people together. Um, the way I view it is I'm going on these trips anyway and the groups that I'm forming and the trips that I'm forming, these, they're hanging out with me and hopefully sharing my passion for the places that we're visiting. is that you curate these trips. How, sure. okay, and, you know, and I know that you said you, you were got around and that you were doing it, but, you know, when when I think of a trip, when I listened to you talk before, and you talked about how you you know, brought these people together, you curated a trip, you know, you sort of found a, a variety of experiences. Was that all from your personal travel, or just from the feedback that you got from people when you traveled in groups? My, I would say both. I'm like I said, I'm a very good listener. If I I'm traveling by myself. I would probably do a lot more walking and exploring. I'm an avid hiker, but at the same time, if I'm creating a trip for a group, uh, listening is very important uh, because, you know, not everybody's the same. Not everyone will be moved by a particular location like you are moved by, but um, listening also pulls out what their passions are in terms of uh, what are they – what have they heard about a certain place around the world? Like, or what have they always thought about doing that they never had a chance to do? There's always a place for that in the world or multiple places in some cases. So I just view it as my, my honor to take those thoughts and provide suggestions and even curate, put together a whole package for people to live out those dreams. You know, I mean, I know that you, you have another, you know, profession also, but what made you think that, you know, hey, I'm going to take this and this is a big venture to take it, especially during this time of COVID when many people stopped going everywhere, but you not only said, I'm going to take this and make it a business. 
You know, I mean, many people would have said, oh, sounds like a great idea. Then COVID hit and go like, nah, you know, but you persevered. What was it about this passion that you have, not only for you to travel, but to share these experiences with others that helped you persevere to make it a company? That sounds weird, but uh, the way I plan travel is, um, could I say epidemic neutral? <laughs> or mm-hmm. unless there's some, unless there's a meteor that hits Earth and we go the dinosaur route, then that's a different situation. <laughs> but, but the way I plan it is I plan far in advance, sometimes over a year in advance. So I have that flexibility and also the cost savings of jumping on a particular place that's normally a hotspot for travel, like a Dubai, you know, like we're going to Oktoberfest this year in Munich, our, one of the, uh, our international travel group, the Fat Collective. Uh, I put that out over a year ago. I pretty much locked up a bunch of rooms in, in Munich with the anticipation of Oktoberfest happening. And I was right. So uh, I believe about a week ago, city announced and the national government of Germany announced, yes, it will occur this year. So uh, I keep my ear to the ground. I, uh, I look at almost like stocks when mm-hmm. people are fearful to buy, when people are enthusiastic, it's time to sell. I think in a, some ways that applies to travel as well, travel deals. I'm very good at finding those. Um, one of the things that I apply to all my trips that I'm planning for other people, unless they tell me otherwise, um, that I also apply for myself is I don't like to spend money on things that aren't creating memories. You know, I, I could fly first class, but I mean, not to knock people who do, <laughs> but I'd rather direct some of those resources towards uh, supporting like a local economy, going to something immersive in a different place, having an adventure, you know, taking a boating trip somewhere, or, um, some immersive uh, activity uh, that's non, not in a tourist trapped area. It's just something that's... Um, something that I'll remember years from now. Like, I'm not going to remember that flight. <laughs> or I'm not going to remember whatever limo I got, sh- uh, sh- you know, chauffeured to the hotel in. I'm going to remember the experiences. So uh, people with unlimited resources, great. Even if I had it, you know, I'm, I'm frugal that way. I'm just, you know, it doesn't ring my bell, so to speak. I, I like adventure. I like making travel with a purpose. And... I just view it, any of those funds could, I mentioned the local um, communities when I'm traveling, uh, you know, a lot of places around the world, especially COVID, were hit hard uh, when the tourism industry dropped. Sometimes you have entire communities that were dependent on tourism. So I, I view it as maybe my preference to support people who were struggling and continue to. Is it important to you, you know, as you look at people to come on these tours, that they're like-minded? I mean, if, if you know, when you're curating it, when you're talking about, well, this is where we're going, um, do they always have to, you know, like if they say, well, you know, you're going to do this, and I think I'd like to do a little side-by. Do you, do you provide those opportunities, or do you say, like, this is the package, or do you say, like, this is the package, and this is what's going on around it? Uh, to a certain extent. So 
uh, I don't like to stuff every minute with activities um, mm-hmm. because that assignment <laughs> feels like a, you know, summer camp. I'm sure a lot of people enjoyed summer camp when they were kids, but, you know, that's the whole mm-hmm. day planned for you. Anywhere. Um, <laughs> really, some people can. But the I, I like to leave down days, free days, and then I just throw out options. Like I do all the research ahead of time. Hey, uh, and I, you know, it depends on who I'm talking to. Hey, you know, I, I noticed you're into, you know, bungee jumping or whatever. Here's something you could do on a free day, and here's how you get there. So I, I do all that legwork for everyone. I throw out multiple options. Um, if I'm, I take recommendations. Like if someone does their own, someone's really excited, passionate about, passionate about the place we're going. They'll, you know, they'll look up something and say, "Hey, can we do this?" And I'll, I'll just do all the legwork, all the research, and uh, bring it up to the group. If, Everybody's not into it. That's fine. We have our down days. We don't have to be all together all at the same time. You know, nobody wants <laughs> that. Mhm. Mhm. You know, I, I want, but the What's everybody the should be able. Mhm. Well, I want to take our first break because you've got a lot coming up, and I want to get into that so you can have an opportunity to talk about some of the things coming up, and people can get a flavor for it. So we'll be right back. This episode of Collections by Michelle Brown is brought to you in partnership with the Center for Peace Counseling and Holistic Healing Services, bringing balance to your mind body, and spirit. For more information or to schedule an appointment, visit the Center at www.thecenterforpeacellc.com. Back here on Collections by Michelle Brown with Mike Henderson, who's the CEO, the founder, the lead on Bad Collective. You said that, you know, you start, you were looking a year ahead at events. You sent me an agenda of some of the trips that you have coming up, which are like really exciting. Can you tell us about these trips coming up? And I think it goes... Don't they go <clears throat> for 2022, and do they go into 2023? Yes, uh, for sure. Uh, and back the back collective is. I had to literally collect <laughs> all the different groups I created together into one common theme. So I created the back collective. Bag is in black and gay collective. It's, but just a disclaimer: it's open to allies as well. So it's not exclusive. It's just that uh, from the gay community, and um, I plan a lot of trips around large gay themed events like pride events, for example, uh, cruises, et cetera. But it's not exclusive, so it's just to put that disclaimer out there. So 2022, actually, the next one is our Puerto Vallarta Pride trip in Mexico, Memorial Day weekend. That's going to be exciting. You know, if you look now, pretty much all the hotel rooms are sold out in Puerto Vallarta. So. And you can imagine it's going to be an outstanding weekend. 
as parties galore, so to speak. And I love it there because it's, I, I mentioned bargains earlier, and I'm a cheapskate. Um, you can get a lot for your money. Quality food, quality, quality dishes, quality people. I love it. Uh, next one, actually, okay, there's a do you event. help people, do you give them, like, because this is in Mexico, do you give them an idea of, like, what the exchange rate or is or, like, about how much, what the, what they should plan on spending? You know, is there, I mean, I know some people might spend a whole bunch. Some people, like you say, might not want to spend a lot, but do you give them a ballpark budget and and let them know what the exchange rate is, like when, when you're going to someplace like for this prize? Yeah, that's a good question. That in the pre-trip uh, Google chat meetings or Zoom calls, every trip has an orientation call that's set up. Mm-hmm. Typically, we trip itself. Sometimes we have multiple. If it's a really complex destination, uh, like really, but about just like next door, so not so much. But if it's a mm-hmm. destination, we'll plan multiple pre-trip uh, webinars explaining what to bring, what to expect. So, and, and some of those are in conjunction with a tour company that, like one of Back Travel's vendors that we use, and they would actually co-host and go through what they're providing and the logistics uh, and having a Q&A towards the end. Coming up May 18th at 6 p.m. Pacific for the our Europe trip. We're actually going to be gone pretty much the entire month of September. We're going to Germany for the Folsom Europe event uh, in Berlin and also taking day trips to either Dresden or Potsdam. Potsdam. Uh, of course, the walking tour of Berlin, historic tour, the you know, different eras, even uh, learning about the history of W.E.B. Du Bois, who graduated mm. from Humboldt, you know, and the black tradition in Berlin before, you know, <laughs> the uh, late 1920s, early 1930s. Um, they were heading down to, by train, beautiful train ride to Munich for Oktoberfest. So um, just to back up a little, what I do is plan almost my, all my trips around or underneath an umbrella event. I mentioned Pride earlier. Oktoberfest is probably the biggest umbrella event in the world, probably the biggest party in the world. Um, so that's another part of me not planning every one second of a trip. So because you have this huge umbrella event that you go to when you don't want to hang out with the group or when there's a down day. So that that's the logic behind that. And Juneteenth weekend, just to back up a little, that's we're going to Redwood National Park. Uh, we don't have a tradition yet. Um, us as black folks, we're going to work on what we're going to do for Juneteenth. I want something original besides barbecue. Oh, I'm a national park geek. I view <laughs> national parks as free. So Juneteenth equal freedom equals nature. So we're going to Redwood National Park uh, June 16th to June 20th. Then, of course, Yosemite, my favorite place in the world. In my opinion, I've been all, the world, all over the world. Yosemite is a beautiful place on the planet. There's no mistake. Uh, it has uh, it's the national parks around the world. Where there were national parks national created. Park, are you staying at a hotel? Are you camping? What? In between. <laughs> we're okay. staying at a historic, uh, historic 
Surrey Village. It's right, literally right under Half Dome, the, that iconic uh, mountain in Yosemite. It's uh, historic. I think Curry Village has been around probably since the 1920s. It's their tent cabins. It's a little compromised. People don't want to sleep on the ground. But you still get to kind of... Um, I do have some books for those who just are not having anything to do with that. Uh, just outside the park, literally three miles from Yosemite Valley's entrance. So uh, I keep that in mind. I want everybody to be comfortable. Um, I want everybody to enjoy my favorite place on the planet just as much as I do, hopefully. Uh, after that, we're going to Vancouver Pride. Vancouver is one of my, I'd say one of my top three cities in the world. Like that got my masters in urban planning, I think. Other than the look-alike look buildings, on the buildings downtown, I think it's one of the best laid-out cities and one of the most beautiful cities in the world. Um, love going to Vancouver. Um, Spain and Portugal right after the Germany trip. Um, so I've kind of broke it up into segments. Not everybody can get a month off <laughs> for the Europe trip, you know, Germany plus Spain and Portugal. So I broke it up into about two, two and a half week segments. Uh, Spain, we're going to Barcelona, of course, the huge La Mercy Festival. It's like a million people on the street. Uh, they have the, you know, the human pyramids and uh, the parades and the fireworks everywhere in the Catalonian culture celebration. Um, then heading up to Granada, Cordoba, possibly Seville as well. I'm a history buff too. I like studying about the Moorish Empire and their glory is still very evident in southern Spain, all over that region, Andalusia. Um, we're going to see the fabulous architecture, learn about the engineering, uh, the massive, massive influence of the Moors on not only Spain, but Europe itself. Uh, then you're going to have something really unique in Portugal. Uh, I'm coordinating with a group called Black in Portugal. Uh, they're on Facebook. Check them out, yeah. folks. Uh, there's a lot of black expats from the U.S. and the U.K. who moved to Portugal, Lisbon in particular. And they set up their own. It's like a community, very tight, it appears. Um, so I kind of do expat tours as well, expat research tours. <laughs> so if people think about retiring to different countries or being a digital nomad. Uh, personally, Lisbon is on one of my short lists as far as a place to re- relocate to. Um, so I'm excited about that. What, I haven't never actually. Fine. What is it about there that, that would make you put it on the top, one of your top places? Coming from Los Angeles uh, and loving this Mediterranean, Mediterranean weather. <laughs> um, Portugal is very similar to trees, similar. Uh, the food is excellent, like Portuguese food. Um, and what I've been reading from that group and communication back and forth, um, and the cost, it's very reasonably priced. I mean, compared to Los Angeles. Um, I love L.A., but um, I'll probably live here part-time. And then uh, Portugal or one of my other candidates. But, yeah, we're really excited about that trip. Um, I'm, I'll be eager to even just like the little tips they give you, like where to get your hair done and <laughs> – Portugal, where to shop, where to eat, you know, things to look out for. Uh, we're looking for the whole breakdown, like some, you know, have dinner with them in the whole expat, expat uh, informational tour. You know, um, I like, you mentioned one of the things that you mentioned, like you talk about um, the influence of the Moors. You talk about the black expat uh, population. And you talk, and I know that you've got a, a little bit of a history buff to you. Besides the usual tourist sites, do you try to intentionally show the influence of 
people from the African diaspora on these areas? Exactly. That's why it fascinates me so much. Um, it's it's kind of like, not to sound, um, you know, I've putting anyone down, but it, it's so obvious, and it's it just couldn't be covered up. <laughs> the contributions, <laughs> the ingenuity, you know, it, it it was it's too massive to cover up. So thankfully, um, so I I just want to celebrate that, and I just find it fascinating and hopefully inspirational. It's inspirational for me, and then maybe it'll provide some inspiration to those who attend that trip or even go on be they're inspired to go back on their own and learn even more. Um, it's just a fascinating region for me. Um, it's very California-esque. I mentioned the weather, just the visual of southern Spain. Um, ironically, there's a lot of cities in <laughs> southern Spain named after cities around L.A., but, yeah, and it looks pretty much hmm. the same if you didn't grow up here. It's pain trees, palm trees were brought over. But, yeah, I, I love it. Um, and another one of my other favorite archaeological historic places is Angkor Wat in Cambodia. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like temple here. If you're a temple lover, there's no better temple complex, no larger temple complex on the planet. Um, it's absolutely amazing, the engineering that went into it, the intricate details of the carvings. It's just, it's just mind-blowing. It's like one of those bucket list places that you should... People should be ashamed <laughs> if they've never been there. It's it's, it's Siem Reap and it's, I wouldn't say relatively. It's it's very low cost, um, cheaper than even Thailand. It's cheaper than probably Vietnam as well and Laos nearby. It, it's it's just a fascinating opportunity, um, and it's easy airline access from nearby cities like Bangkok, Hong Kong. Uh, Cities in Vietnam, you can get there from Manila pretty easily. So yeah, if any, no one's ever been to Angkor Wat and Cambodia, uh, don't miss it. It's amazing. You get a good tour guide. Uh, and you, the, what I love about it, it's like a, over a square mile of temples, and pretty much you can ditch the tour guide and pretty much just walk around <laughs> and see just these amazing temples from temple to temple. People think it's just one. There's actually, you know, probably hundreds buried in the in the jungle that they're still working to uncover. Um, wow. Yeah, that, that's going to be amazing. In Thailand, uh, another one of my favorite places, the highlight of that are the lantern festivals in Chiang, Chiang Mai in the north. Um, we've never seen that before. Uh, it's, it's totally amazing. People light these candle-like lanterns and you let them go and they float up into the sky and you literally have thousands of them in the sky looking like stars that are, came too close to Earth. <laughs> and then they have mm-hmm. this other, well, where they have these little boats with flowers and they have the uh, candles lit and they float them all down the boat. So them going at the same time, it's just like a light fiesta. Just amazing. Um, that sounds beautiful. Yeah. Um, last but not least, I am going to go crazy and go to Paris for New Year's. Um, I'm oh, trying to yeah. get a... I have all these events, by the way, I have what I call blackouts. <laughs> so I go to these major events around the world and try to black it out, let uh, black people show up. So everybody who we are, we can travel, um, combat stereotypes in the process. You know, it's just amazing. Some of the curiosity, I wouldn't say ignorance, the curiosity is amazing. 
because we're about as old of an ethnicity as anybody. Um, so we shouldn't be a, a, you know, like a recent fascination. You know what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> so it's just a matter. Um, and that's kind of that's another reason why I started these groups to get out. Uh, let's just learn about other cultures and have everybody uh, learn about us in a positive way. Paris is going to be amazing. I have a special party planned, um, still nailing down the theme, but it's going to be different. Let's put it that way. And attention getting. <laughs> um, but I can't think of any fewer or no more amazing place in the world to celebrate New, New Year's um, than Paris. It should be incredible. That'll be December 28th through January 3rd. So we got a good, healthy amount to do our little touristy thing, but also enjoy what people do, what Paris does better than most cities, which is uh, be a party city. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. It doesn't have at all. It's a classy party. Uh-huh. Do you find that because of your reputation and people who have gone to things with you or know of you, when you talk about, because I know some people who might go, I mean, I know people who have been to Cambodia and Thailand and the things that you're talking about are things I'm interested But I know some people who would go like, well, why would I go there, you know? Or they worry about outside of the country and uh, another language, and they'd say, well, I don't speak that language. Do you find that people, because of your reputation, because of your past and the trips that you've done, that, you know, they sort of trust you to make it right. And when you do find someone who's, like, really enthusiastic about it and go, like, wow, you know, those temples in Cambodia sound amazing, but I've never been to the East. I don't know, you know, I don't know Cambodia. What language do they speak? I'm worried about that. What do you tell them about the experience that they're going to have to put those fears at ease or and to match up their bravery or their sense of adventure, the same sense of adventure that you have? Well, no matter what language people speak, no matter what they're wearing, um, people are all the same pretty much around the world. That's number one. Uh, the same street smarts that you have in your local community aren't really that much different. <laughs> That that's required most everywhere else, um, and it's lead by example. Um, like I've done it, and I'm raving about it. Um, so if they see that from me, like I mentioned, like they see that I've done these trips, they hear my stories about how fun it is to go to these places and how much how immersive they are and the wonderful foods you can have, the nice people, the scenery, etc., the immersion. Um, I don't, I, I kind of view that as my, as a travel agent too. That's, that's kind of my job is to tell people uh, on how this place would be an enjoyable, would make for an enjoyable experience for them. Um, because people come to a travel agent because they don't necessarily know how to plan or what, even what they want. You know, so that's, that's just part of the core function as well, and I, I relish it, I enjoy it. Um, if, not, if I fail to convince somebody, um, what I do is I don't, oh, just come on and go anyway. No, it's fine. The last thing you want is somebody <laughs> on a group trip who doesn't want to be there and who's mm-hmm. not 
yeah, mine. I guess it's just a drag on everybody. <laughs> so, um, okay, here's an alternate trip. Or what are you into? Um, as far as what do you always, what, do you, what, do you always want to see a, ma- a castle, like a real heated castle? Well, Munich is excellent. Or, you know, go to uh, the UK or something, and here's the whole itinerary for you. Go to Scotland. It's, it's, you know, there's always something, like I mentioned earlier, there's always somewhere that will inspire someone's travel boat. <laughs> there's always some somewhere that will, you know, spark someone's, you know, fire in terms of, you know, travel makes me feel, a, you know, very much alive. I, like I, my first interview with you, like when I was a kid, I used to just roam around L.A. by myself. Um, <laughs> way too young than I Longer than I should have, but it, it, mm-hmm. it's freedom is life. Freedom is travel. Uh, travel is joy. To me, that's, you know, I, one of the things that, 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 that I was impressed upon when when we last talked, and what I what comes through again is like, <laughs> first of all, mm-hmm. you go on on the trips. You've been these mm-hmm. places. You're an adventurer, and when you talk about them. Like when you talk about Yosemite and you talk about Vancouver and you talk about these people, it's not like, you know, you're not just, you know, I'm selling you this trip here. This is this and this and you can go get it and figure it out. It's like you're sharing an experience that you have that was so great that you want to share it with others. And that comes across with them. It's like, well, if I go with Mike, I'm going to have a good time because he's been there. And he knows the ups and downs, the ins and outs, and it's going to be a good time. That's that's my hope. And it's it's a place I've never been. I'm very very good at uh, visits to places. <laughs> uh, like I said, I mentioned before, like people kind of all the same. And I take the any location. It's really there's some basic. Uh, steps that I take when I travel, uh, you know, like first day, of course, you want to relax and jet lag. Second day, get a lay of the land. Uh, third day, uh, do a little exploring. Uh, when I say get a lay of the land, it's usually a city tour to get an overview in the second day. And third day is like exploring. Uh, fourth day could be immersion. Now dig, dig into the neighborhoods. Fifth day could be uh, go outside now, go outside the city boundaries, go out to a, like a little adventure. Um, and then count them down the days in between. You know, it's it's pretty much, I wouldn't say rinse and repeat, that sounds very boring, but <laughs> there's a formula. It's, and it's, and it, at least in my experience, it's worked everywhere. Uh, if you just, there's certain steps you follow. You don't, if you put yourself in the middle of somewhere you've never been, you're unfamiliar with, and you don't have any rhyme or reason to what you want to do, like in general, for what you want to see, and the order that you want to accomplish those tasks, then it becomes hectic and time-wasting. You know, the last thing you want to do is you get your precious time off from work. last thing you want to do is running around some foreign city with, like a chicken with their head cut off, unless that's part of your adventure and you're into that. <laughs> but some people are lost. They're actually lost, lost tours now. They're somewhere in the Sahara. I was reading that article. They'll just drop you off, and you have to find your way back to the nearest city. And some people enjoy that, but <laughs> um, mm-hmm. other than that, you know, don't time is precious, but at the same time, um, you know, the, you don't have to be every minute doesn't have to be planned for, but at the same time, just have some kind of order 
and the things get off track, you know, just kind of wheel it back in and reset. So just the things I learned, um, because time passes really fast if you're on vacation, you're having fun. You know, time flies when you're having fun. <laughs> Use it mm-hmm. wisely. You had a uh, limited vacation. Now, you know, you do, like, as you're putting, you're, you're curating the trip, you're putting the people together who are going to be on there. After it's over, do you do, like, a debrief to sort of find out what worked, what didn't work, who's ready for the next one? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, there, there's always lessons to learn after every trip, whether it's interpersonal conflicts or whether it's just there's a better way, a faster way of getting from point A to point B. There's something that we passed by that we could have checked out <laughs> um, that we or we didn't allow ourselves enough time to see something that looked more interesting than what we did see. So there's there's always something new to learn from past experiences. Um, and that's the way it should be. I don't believe in cookie cutter, rinse and repeat kind of trips. That's, mm-hmm. you know, I take, I take new groups, people totally new. Even then, there's always refinement from what was done before. Yeah, because I, I would do it as doing a new group in injustice, mm-hmm. not making the effort to squeeze even more enjoyment out of this itinerary and even cost savings as well. That could be enjoyment as well, especially from people who are uh, as penny-pinching <laughs> as I am and like to focus their money on experiences. So, you know, your first few trips, like the one to Puerto Vallarta, to Yosemite, to the Redwoods Park and Vancouver, you know, <laughs> you don't have to do quite as much planning if someone is saying, well, you know, I'm going to take my vacation later in the year, want to hit Europe, um, thinking about the Germany, uh, splitting this, you know, if you can get off, knock on wood, tell me where you work, where you can get off to be at Spain and Portugal, you know, or, and then go on to Cambodia, Thailand, Paris. What do they need to be doing right now to be ready to hit the road starting with the Germany trip? Get your passport. <laughs> that's that's how, you know it's where I heard it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's some people. Yeah, I even hear some people like they're messing me. Oh, I'm working on it. I'll get. I'll, yeah, I'll get around to it. Like, okay. Um, it's you know, it's not exactly um, the fastest government processing time in history right now. Um, so yeah, that's number one. Number two, it definitely to the group announcements. Um, always have updates on developing situations before the trip and attend the webinar, of course, if there's a pre-trip webinar. That'll pretty much, that'll break down 90% of the logistics for the trip. Um, so just be aware of the group announcements. And that, this goes for private client groups too, not just the groups that I form. Like I do group trips for, you know, like say someone's having a wedding somewhere or, or reunion, family reunion somewhere, or it's just a group of friends. I do group trips only 10 plus adults typically. Um, so, yeah, there's always a staying aware, <laughs> getting your, your proper credentials, which would be a passport or visa if necessary, um, and have some idea of what you would like to do. I 
I'll like send people a questionnaire if I'm working with private clients. Uh, just fill out, okay, tell me about like your past vacation. What did you like about that? Or what is your preferred type of hotel and why? Or, like, are you a resort kind of person? Are you in like an urban hotel kind of person, et cetera? That all feeds into not necessarily that I'll replicate and just mimic to produce what their answers produce. I just take all that information and provide suggestions. Maybe you might want to try something different because you did this before, or there's what you suggested. Maybe that's not what you want, and here's why. So I think that's where the value partially comes in. And you're supposed to be, if you're not the expert, you're supposed to learn right away <laughs> what mm-hmm. you need to know they to client to the whole point is for them to enjoy their experience and not just it's great if people have past experiences that they enjoyed but it's also important to make sure that it's not redundant like doing the exact same things they did in Paris last time like what's the point <laughs> they might as well just get on street view and save the money mm-hmm. um, different neighborhood oh. uh, go to mom be a well, little more that, that Like at the parks, like, you know, like you recognize, you know, there's levels of roughing <laughs> that some people are going to want to do. And the parks oh. sort of lend themselves to provide it. But how do you find that happy medium? You know, how do you, like if someone says, well, I only like to go to resorts, but that doesn't work in the group setting. You know, it's like, but they really want to go. How do you find that happy medium between, okay, resorts, hotels, what people are looking for as far as their accommodations? Although to me, you know, part of what you, I want to do is to be out there seeing it. You know, I don't want to come home with bed bugs or anything horrible, you know, but um, I don't want to, you know, if it has a big screen TV in the room, I really don't care because it's not, I could stay home and watch my big screen TV. So if someone seems like they're really sold on an experience that isn't quite where you're focused, do you try to talk them out of it or or do you try to explain to them what they're going to be doing instead of, you know, spending their time in this type of room? Exactly, like if we were running, there's there's some beautiful cabins at Yosemite. There, I probably booked like a holiday group trip there, maybe in the winter one year. Um, that that's fine and everything, but um, it, it doesn't have to necessarily take up the entirety of the trip. Like if we do a resort during, let's say, a two week trip, whatever, we wouldn't do the resort the entire time because resorts are meant for to be self contained <laughs> for the most part with uh, curated or controlled little mini adventures in the near vicinity. That's not, that's great for a few days. There's nothing wrong with that. I love resorts, but um, I do like to mix it up. Like if you have an extended time um, at any one location, like city or, you know, general area of a country, mix it up a little. You can do a resort a few days, do a, something urban, another few days, go to beach, next few days, maybe even something uh, hiking, camping type, if we're into, if we're in an area that lends for that. So to answer your question, 
two people on their toes. <laughs> I like to mix it up. Want to do resorts? That's fine. That's kind of you know, it's cookie cutter. I can do that. That's not an issue. Um, I will try to mix in some tours that would maybe be a little more immersive, um, like even like foodie tours. Like that's very popular now. Just walking tours, like in downtown's mm-hmm. a little, um, and then also most dinner. <laughs> so you don't have to go to a restaurant necessarily. You already ate. Um, that yeah, I'm very time efficient that way. Um, so I'll find something to that's not typical, so to speak. Uh, that's not you know so packaged. So to me, that's like my cell phone every trip. So I don't like everything that's prepackaged and sanitized. I like it because um, otherwise, like you mentioned, like you said, you might as well just stay home if you just want to sit around and do the same things you did at home. Um, you're mm-hmm. there in this particular do something that this area is known for or see something that this area is known for. Now, you know, right now we have certain things in flux that I know that might give people pause. You've got, of course, COVID. Um, You've also got the situation in the Ukraine, which many people are wondering, is it going to just stay there? How is it affecting other places like you hear about? gas shortages and other shortages that people are having because of this situation over there. How do you stay on top of that and how flexible, how do you have to be able to pivot on any of your trips in case something makes it, you're unable to fulfill those dates? Luckily, I plan like I mentioned, booking well in advance with uh, free cancellation. <laughs> I don't do the non-refundable anything. Uh-huh. Uh, so uh-huh. um, that maybe that works for some people. That's just not the way I roll. Uh, that's I like flexibility. Um, I like the ability. Hey, we're gonna do a 180. You know, we may not be able to go to this place, but hey, uh, who's into going to this place instead? Or I'm going to redo this and maybe tweak it a little more and we'll push it to next year. But that mm-hmm. booking in advance, being smart about what I'm booking, provides that flexibility. So that it pretty much happened with the uh, Japan. We were going to go to Sapporo, the Sapporo uh, Ice Festival, but it's supposed to be like this. Well, it is the biggest like ice sculpture and you know snow castle festival in the world, like international competition right in the middle of Sapporo, Japan. Um, that would have been wonderful. That would have been last winter, but of course, Japan still is not open <laughs> to general mm-hmm. tourism. If it um, and everything was cancelable, cancelable, if that's a word. Um, and I just do it that way. I, I always maintain flexibility, and that one is going to be rolled to early next year. I may be wrong, but um, I do anticipate. Opening for the uh, there's going to be an interesting. I mentioned Paris is interesting. I put some bling bling, some <laughs> something really nice on the Sapporo trip that I was planning for. Like it almost transformed into a totally amazing, even more so than what was planned before. Where it was more like tours, city tour, you get to know um, the area, things like. But this is this is far more immersive. That's what I have in mind. 
but I'll, I'll reveal it in a couple of months. Um, I actually have an epic name for that event <laughs> that I think everybody will win. But it's a, it will be like a black ski and snow festival for sure. Hopefully it'll be several hundred or even that I want to make that a tradition every winter. So if they weren't able, the, the Japan trip was canceled, but you you plan to reschedule it and they should be able to, if they have booked for that one, they would be able to go to the next one? They would, yeah. Um, if they paid already and I already had something, the cancellation, mm-hmm. yeah, they would for that. Or if they wanted to do a credit, but I typically uh, just refund and then you know, I don't try to lock people into that if it's a trip that I'm booking directly. Now, if I'm using one of our tour companies, they have their different rules uh, depending on who I'm using, and that's spelled out in their their terms and their they say that in their webinars that they co-host and their uh, contract documentation. But um, if it's a tourist directly under that travel, yeah, I'm, I'm I like to be flexible when I'm traveling personally. Adventure, adventure. I like to pivot when there's, when there's a roadblock. Uh, the uh, next road is shut off. Just turn around and, and go, but be flexible, plan early enough to to be able to accomplish that. Okay, well, Mike, we're going to take our, our next break. And when we come back, I want to talk about the, the Travel Expo, the Black Travel Expo, and more about the Bear Collective. So we'll be right back. Collections by Michelle Brown airs every Thursday at 7 p.m. You can subscribe now and listen to the podcast on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Be sure to like the Collections by Michelle Brown Facebook page and mark your calendar so you never miss an episode. back here on Collections by Michelle Brown. Mike, I'm telling you that I can just envision that New Year's trip to Paris. Wow. I mean, what a, what a great way to end one year and and kick off the next. I mean, I think it's just those trips you have lined up, you know, if I win the lottery, I'll go to everyone. If not, I'll have to pick and choose. But, I mean, they really sound fantastic. What is the Black Travel Expo. And can you tell us about it? And I also noticed that in it you have, um, on the registration, you have a picture of two people who I know who are from Atlanta, which is where the Black Travel Expo is going to be in June. What What is the Black Travel Expo? And will you have a table there, or can people sign up to become a part of uh, the Bad Collective. Yes, it's a huge gathering of 
consumers, travel, black travel consumers, entrepreneurs, organizations, social influence, very prominent ones there, um, and also a chance for networking, uh, people who are either already in this travel industry or looking to get into it. Um, I'm one of those who always look for people who are looking to get involved in travel. Uh, what I'm, and as far as the Bad Collective, one of the uh, new rules or roles that I'm trying to get out is having regional directors. Um, so I can't be everywhere at once. It'd be nice. But uh, <laughs> I, by having regional directors be able to host these trips, like I'm actually talking to someone, hopefully, that uh, like I'd want to have one in the UK and the regional director, my nephew, he's in Japan, actually, so he'll kind of be have that market, and uh, I have a friend that I brought on in Thailand, so he'll have the Southeast Asian market, and you know, and so on and so forth. So it is a great networking opportunity for traveling professionals and the consumers. It'll be travel deal heaven. You show up there, it's like a giant flea market. <laughs> Not necessarily cheap product, but uh, I say flea market. I mean, in terms of variety, just different experiences that you're looking for. There's a travel company for that, whether it's group travel or the intimate, like couples travel, whether it's solo travel. Um, you can find pretty much anything that you can imagine travel-wise at the Black Travel Expo. It's two-day expo from June 3rd to June 4th. It's open to the public. I'll actually have a booth there, slash table. Um, they'll be prominently featured. And... I'm very excited to meet everyone, and hopefully uh, people will scan my QR code, <laughs> which will lead okay. them straight to the site, and it's free to join up. You get in there, and you can browse all the trips I have posted, and I think currently there's 12, 15, and there's literally 40 trips in my head right now as I talk to you that I haven't typed up yet. So, wow. Uh, it's going to be uh, it's going to be amazing, and these re- myself and my regional directors, they're going to look to expand this network out and give people plenty of opportunities to experience travel like I I experiences it experience it and I love it, and hopefully develop the same passion. And I, I will add that so it's just not Americans, it's just not the black. That collective is I, one of the reasons I started it also is to provide travel opportunities for people outside of like the UK and the US like across the African diaspora. Um, for example, like there's actually literally plenty of Africans in the group, uh, Nigeria, Ghana, uh, some from Tanzania, some from Kenya. Um, why can't they go to Yosemite? Uh, why can't they go to our Paris trip? Um, that's that I didn't really see from a lot of black travel companies uh, and organizations uh, providing that opportunity. So I'm looking for sponsors for that and even people, there's different avenues, but sponsorships would be one way. Um, And also people who are willing to work as regional directors and become travel agents themselves, that gives them the opportunity to open up uh, this kind of travel for themselves as well. I have a question. Is there, is there a regional director? Because, you know, the Bad Collective is your brand. What are you looking for in someone 
who wants to be a regional director? What what do you look for in them? Because I know you're not going to say, okay, well, here's, here you've got to, you know, hang out my shingle. Because if they have a bad experience, you're going to talk, you know, hey, this is your baby. So what are you looking for? What would be the qualifications? What are the passions that you're looking for for someone who's interested in becoming a regional director? And what steps do they have to take? So as far as getting director, I do look for, I, I'm, I'll keep my own harm on horn. I'm very, I'm a very good hiring manager, <laughs> at least in my years of telecom. Um, I, or you don't necessarily have to have extensive travel experience. I'm a very good instructor. Um, I can, I, what I look for is enthusiasm for learning and a great attitude. Because uh, if you're taking groups around the world, uh, a lot of the times the group follows the mentality and the temperament of the leader. So that's a, that's a definite um, deal breaker or deal gainer for me, attitude and passion for learning. Uh, as far as with it's uh, I haven't posted yet, but it's kind of a preview I'm giving now. Um, actually putting regional director jobs open for different people in different regions to, and then there will be like a video interview and places I would probably even travel to um, to meet them in person or have them go on a trip, a group trip that I'm also on and doing the training in hand. I mean, I groups, I'm, you know, you can be a regional director with that fancy title and <laughs> taking a group around, but you know, even with grown folks, you know, uh-huh. I'll be frank. <laughs> you, people, sometimes people go a little um, up, you know, where things do things that they wouldn't do at home. Let's put it that way. So it, uh-huh. it not only it could possibly endanger the group as well. Uh, so it's just being responsible that way, setting a good example. Uh, just reporting back to me, you know, whatever situation is going on and working well with our vendors. We're also, you know, they're taking care of all the land arrangements, uh, making sure everybody is where they're supposed to be. You know, even, you know, if you were a line leader in elementary school, this kind of this version on steroids, <laughs> where you have to uh-huh. keep track of everyone. So, yeah, it's, it's, but here's the thing. If you're a regional director, you're going on these trips too. I want you to have fun. I want you to enjoy those trips too because I don't want someone there because like they're working and they're dreading going from place to place. They're dreading, you know, taking a group around. Now that's the, I want that to be your vacation too. You're there having fun. I go on trips, you know, that's my vacation too. And I mentioned earlier, you guys are just hanging out with me. (laughs) So I want the same thing with my regional director. Other people will see that joy, that passion. They'll see that interest and they'll, they'll want to, match it, that energy. But How I formally you think from the time that, you know, someone expresses an interest to you're ready to sort of say, okay, take your first trip? Uh, well, it would depend on trip is coming up, but I would say a month or two. Um, ah. It wouldn't be something like, <laughs> I would have to, you know, I would like to test people on trips. Even if they have travel experience, let's say they're a travel agent before, that doesn't necessarily mean you would be a group, a great group leader. 
you know, that just mm-hmm. means you know how to book well, you know, while you sit at home and whoever you sent around the world is either having a fun time or not. So, but I actually want to. I mean, I think that's one of the things that's great. Not only are you providing these opportunities for people who are black and gay and or gay um, to travel to places that maybe they've never thought about going, but to go and knock down stereotypes and you know, be themselves, enjoy and learn and form friendships. But then it's leading on to that they're going to have an opportunity to where they're going to be able to do this and make a living doing what you do. Was that, you know, was that your long-term plan? Yes, for sure. Like what I'm doing, I, I don't need the money to be frank. You know, I, I'm cheap too, <laughs> so I don't really need the money. Um, to me, it's it's a passion for travel. Um, it's a opportunity to open up that same opportunity for others. Maybe some people are looking to make a little more money. There's nothing wrong with that. And also doing what you love at the same time. What better situation to be in? Um, so I'm. I'm so if you're a regional director, that would be my expectation that if you're if you run a travel group and you're taking people around the world, you should be a travel agent. <laughs> I would hope so because you would have those connections. You would have the ability and the credentials to talk to vendors, um, to talk to uh, airlines, to talk to you know people that you should be able to talk to to resolve problems and uh, make the itinerary make sense and actually work out the logistics of a trip very effectively. So that, that credential should be there. Um, and that, and I definitely enjoyed giving people the opportunity to achieve that. And it's not, to me, it's not work at all. It's, it's a fun, um, part of my life. It's like, it is, you know, like before it, it is living. It's, it's just, uh, some people enjoy working on cars and people like computers. <laughs> so this this just uh exploring and finding out new things and learning about meeting new people, uh that that just makes me feel uh just uh, passionate about life and I hope that these renal directors they'll have that same attitude and it'll show if they do, it they'll uh it'll be like a glowing thing that <laughs> the group members will see and then they'll just be just as eager to explore the world as they are. That's what I want. Pipe Piper types. Now we've talked about bag travel and the black and gay collective. What's the difference between the two? So bag travel is the actual travel company that handles the bookings and research and the actual apparatus to legally sell travel. The Black Collective, the Black and Gay Collective, is a collection of individual uh, groups, not necessarily gay. There's like there's another group that I started called Black Asia Travelers. It's 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 a mix of orientations. It's Asia is pretty much my specialty, um, and the mm-hmm. reason I that group is uh, it's one thing to travel to Europe if you're an American. It's not that much different in terms of the culture, you know, to some extent, but Asia is fascinating to me, especially if you're 
a black uh, person here in America, maybe that you never really traveled much. And Asia is like a total, <laughs> a, you know, especially like Southeast Asia is like a total 180 in mm-hmm. a lot of cases. So I just find it more engaging. Um, and some people thought you mentioned earlier that some people might be intimidated uh, someplace that's so radically different from where they are, where they're from. So I kind of, I created that group specifically to just take that head on. Uh, let's have these regular trips to different Asian countries and learn and explore. Um, once you've experienced that, pretty much everything else is, you know, every other region in the world is pretty much uh child's play. <laughs> um, I, and then there's three other groups. There's a Black Gay International Travelers. Um, that was the original group. Actually, I actually took that and renamed it the Black and the Bag Collective. I just folded it under the main name. There's Black Gay in LA. That's typically local groups, trips, local events. Uh, since I live in LA, it's, and also um, LA is very scattered. <laughs> if you've ever been there, okay. in terms of uh, just kind of all over the place. And if you're a new person to the city, it's kind of hard to meet people because uh, it's so spread out. Um, that's kind of the beauty and the ugliness of LA. Uh, it's large and vast and beautiful in a lot of senses, but it can become hard, difficult to meet people. So that's why I started that group. Um, and I'm actually starting a couple others I haven't named yet. So I'm basically, I'm funneling all those groups up under one website called bagcollective.org. Mm-hmm. So all those groups, their events are funneled under there. And then even a Black Gay in LA event would be posted on that website along with an international Black Asia Travelers event. So whoever wants to do any of those events, if you happen to be in that area, feel free to join us. Do you think that, um, you know, you have a Black and Gay in LA, do you think that that might be something like if you have a regional director say, say Black and Gay in New York, Black and Gay in Atlanta, is that something long-term you see? Yes. Yes, mm-hmm. for sure. I, I will add, caveat. I'm an international traveler, so I do slide in <laughs> maybe one <laughs> trip. I do cross post. You know, they, the local city groups, um, they also have the same opportunity to go on the international trips. So I don't shy away from that um, I, uh-huh. because the reason I call this is to encourage more international travel. But, yes, the answer is definitely. Okay. Well, now that we you got us all ready to dust off our our bags, make sure our passports are in order. What's the best way? What was that website where we can find everything? What's the umbrella website? So as far as the group trips that are curated mm-hmm. by myself, that would be the bag at bagatbagetbagecollective.org. And no. the if you're booking, if you're requesting a private group, we'll see you and your friends or family, uh, wedding, et cetera, you can go to bagattravel.net. And bagattravel.net is under, actually technically under the collective as well. It's a collection of different organizations and groups and, com- and um, the company itself for travel. So bagattravel.net to book, you can even book your own vacations through my portal, or you can send me a request to put something together for your group of 10 or more. And backcollective.org if you want to hang out with the funnest group on the planet. Uh, it sounds like a plan to me. Mike, I want to thank you for coming back. I mean, perfect timing. 
I mean, I see more and more people like, I'm ready to go somewhere. I want to do something. And now we know where. I'm dusting off my bags. I'm telling you, I have my sights set on that Paris trip. I mean, I've been talking about Paris for a couple of years, and I'm putting it off because, well, you know what, for the past couple of years. But I've got my sights set on that. I want to thank you for coming. I'm going to um, list these trips that you have coming up with the Bag Collective uh, website. So if anyone is interested and they, they just heard bits and pieces and want to know, they can click there and pack a bag, connect with you, and hit the road. Again, I want to thank you. I want you to have a good evening. I want to thank my guest, founder and CEO of BAG Travel, Mike Henderson. A lifelong adventurer, Henderson curates travel getaways for groups of varying sizes for members of the Black LGBTQ community. Although the BAG stands for Black and Gay, all are welcome. Be sure and follow Collections by Michelle Brown Blog Radio on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And let us know if you have a suggestion for a guest or topic for a future show. You can listen to this or past episodes of a show on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or Blog Talk Radio. Join us next week when I'll introduce you to another amazing individual living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality and creating change right here on Collections by Michelle Brown. Thank you for listening.